production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-hosts WFIU and WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. Today we're talking about e-cigarettes. American teenagers are turning to them in record numbers, while the U.S. Surgeon General has called the explosion uh, of use an epidemic. We're going to have four guests talking about these issues from all angles today. In the studio, we have three guests. John Macy is here. He's Assistant Professor of Public Health Administration in the IU School of Public Health. Anna Inger is an IU student and an e-cigarette user. And Amy Netherton is Vice President of Domestic and International Sales and Marketing and Regulatory Affairs Director at Flavor Revolution and President of the Indiana Smoke-Free Alliance. Matt Stark is joining us by phone. He's the principal at Brown County High School. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. News at indianapublicmedia.org is where you can send questions to us, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I'm very happy to have all of you here with us, and, and Matt, thanks for joining us by phone. I'm going to sort of throw out a, a pretty general question just to get the discussion started. Um, you know, e-cigarettes and uh, the whole idea of vaping has become this sort of newsworthy item. And I just want to, you know, take the temperature of the room. What's what's your view on it? And John, let's let's start with you. Is this a, is this a good thing, a bad thing, somewhere in the middle? Um, I think that's why it's a hot topic is because there's a lot of disagreement on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, uh, And one of the reasons for that is that, you know, the products are relatively new. So we don't necessarily know all that much about long-term health effects of use of the products and things like that. Uh, I think, you know, that also depends a little bit on what age of folks you're talking about. So if you're talking about adults who are established cigarette smokers, um, it's perhaps an opportunity to to get nicotine a different way that's almost surely less harmful than smoking a cigarette. On the other hand, if you're talking about um, adolescents and you know teenagers whose brains are still developing, it's probably a bad thing uh, for you know for a developing brain and also you know people are very concerned about them then transitioning to combustible cigarettes, which we know are you know, have all kinds of adverse health out- outcomes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Amy. Um, yeah, I think I couldn't have said it better as far as the want for uh, not youth not using the product at all. I think that the big misconception, in my opinion, when I see media reports, they think that people who I represent over 100 locations across the U.S., we absolutely don't want youth to, to vape at all. And I think that's the misconception as well. I think, you know, they're marketing to kids. They're doing this, that, or the other. I'm not going to say that there's not bad players in our industry by any means. And I think that's what we work on at Indiana Smoke Free Alliance is to clean up that industry and to have a coalition together of like-minded business owners who want the same goals, the same as public health goals. We do see the benefit for adults, smokers. We don't see the benefit for anybody who hasn't smoked at all, and we definitely don't see any benefit to children. Okay. So, uh, Anna, you are an IU student, and you do vape, right? Yeah, I think that there are some pros and cons to vaping. Um, It's definitely healthier than using tobacco, and instead of um, like turning straight to tobacco, I think kids go to e-cigarettes instead, which definitely is a pro. Mm-hmm. And we also surely don't know all the uh, adverse health effects of vaping, but they're surely better than tobacco. Did you were you thinking about starting to smoke when you decided to go to you know the vaping route? No, because <laughs> I know that. Cigarettes are just disgusting, and I would never want to touch them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But okay. So uh, Matt Starks joining us from Brown County. You're the principal out there at Brown County High School. So, what's your view on this issue? 
I think we saw uh, uh, over time, uh, I've been a principal for about 16 years total, and I've seen a decline in the use of cigarettes. And then when e-cigarettes or vaping came about, uh, I've seen a remarkable increase in kids vaping because they consider it a safe and, uh, and, and not a harmful effect. And I think you're the first person said, you know, that it has um, differences. That, you know, it's relatively new, so we don't know all the effects. I think when we get to adults and we're talking about people who've been uh, chain smokers for a long time, I think that might be a, a place to consider. But from a from a school principal standpoint, working with adolescents, I've seen it skyrocket since vaping has come up. So, Amy, can you talk a little bit what what's in an e-cigarette? Sure. Um, there's actually a lot of chemicals in an e-cigarette. I think uh, sometimes people just say, oh, well, it's just a harmless vapor, water, you know, water vapor, and that's not true. So, you know, we acknowledge that there are some risks to that. So in vapor, you've got propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, nicotine, and then various flavoring components. So since I work for an international flavor company, who my department is very specifically in tobacco and vapor, I absolutely know there's a lot more chemicals than just four <laughs> inside of these. So it may be four ingredients, but there's a lot more too. To it. Um, but what we do know as far as the risk factors, and uh, I think that's it's really different over here in the U.S. compared to England, for example. So it's 95% safer, um, according to a lot of people over in England, including their American, what we would consider like the American Cancer Society and their version of CDC, which is Public Health England. And so it's very difficult for me to hear uh, over here, like, well, we don't know what's in it. We don't know. We're so confused about it. We're not confused. We're absolutely not confused. We're just not getting out to the public what actually is in, in these products. And so, in fact, the FDA, back in November of 2018, they were, all of the manufacturers that make these products are required to do an ingredients reporting, and they did that in 2018. So we do know. So it's, it's kind of a, well, we're not sure, we're not sure, we're not sure what the long-term health effects are, but we can look at some studies and we can look at the continuum of risk. And that's, I think in America, we want to do this black and white thing. It's either very safe, it's either safe or it's not safe, quit or die, you know, all these fun things that we like to say to ourselves. But truthfully, it's on a, a risk continuum. So on one end of the spectrum is NRTs, and on the other end of the spectrum is um, combustible cigarettes. So we know as far as in the danger zones where those two lie on totally opposite ends. So e-cigarettes fall somewhere in between there. And I do agree, more research needs to be done in exactly where that falls on the continuum of risk, but we have done that overseas. We have plenty of data to support it falls more on the NRT side than it ever does on the tobacco side. What's NRT? Did um, you sorry. Say yeah. <laughs> yeah, NRTs are are uh, gums, patches, lozenges. Uh, Nicotine and, uh, replacement, replacement therapy. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. Gotcha. And you mentioned no. 95%, you were talking about, said 95% different. What? 95% safer than combustible cigarettes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the Public health research in, in, uh -huh. in, okay. Were, I'm curious, John, if you were, if you were surprised by the Surgeon General coming out and saying, whoa, this is becoming an epidemic. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, that's his job. But, you know, to, when, when, and when you look at the data, I mean, for I think for a long time, you know, people had a close eye on it, but then it kind of it's went way up all of a sudden over the last couple of years. It's like the 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 teen use has really risen. It's gone up um, seventy eight percent from two thousand seventeen to two thousand eighteen, and uh, like Bob said in the intro, it's one out of five high school students, which is a lot, and and it happened very quickly. So that's why, you know, people are very concerned about that you know, for the reasons I said at the, at the beginning, which is, you know, the, the brain, our brains are develop until around age 25. And so when you introduce nicotine at, you know, up until that age, um, some negative things can happen uh, with impulse control. Uh, synapses are still forming. And uh, so there's going to be motor the learning effects and things like that over the long term for adolescents you know, is one concern. But then the other one is, um, you know, is it acting as kind of a gateway product where it's, um, you know, less harsh, there are flavors and opportunities like that to get nicotine um, that's, um, I guess, in a more pleasant way than smoking a cigarette. But then that does that lead to cigarette smoking? later on, which we know is well established. Um, honestly, it's disgusting. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we know the negative health, out, health effects of um, cigarette smoking. And so the research is starting to come out to indicate, yeah, that's kind of happening. Uh, the studies are showing, 
the kids who were never smokers at baseline, teenagers who were never smokers at baseline, uh, who used e-cigarettes, they were more likely to initiate cigarette smoking a year later and things like that. So that's why all of a sudden people are really concerned about the, especially the adolescent use of these products. I want to get uh, a view from the, you know, from the, the ground, I guess, from both Anna and, and Matt to talk about. So I'm going to go to Matt first. I mean, you talked about the increases in smoking. Is this one in five high school kids? Does that surprise you? Do you think that's that number's about right for your school? Um, I'd say that's probably uh, fairly close. I think the issue is is that it because the, a lot of the students are under 18 is that um, we also have kids then uh, providing uh, e-cigarettes to each other and, and and trading them. And there's even websites out there to say how to smoke or how to take a, a hit from an e-cigarette in class and not have the vapor. Uh, you know, be seen, and so it becomes a constant uh, problem as, as we're going through this. And I think uh, Anna said it when she said she would never have smoked a cigarette because she knows the harmful effects. And um, I'm just concerned because I, I agree with those statistics. Is that it, it is it has risen just incredibly fast uh, with our with our kids without them knowing, and then they have an addiction to nicotine at that point too. So I think those are things that uh, play into this as well as the developmental. What kind of rules and regulations do you have uh, in the school about usage? Uh, we we use uh, the rules for e-cigarettes are the same as they are if uh, for tobacco. So we, we use the very similar rules of, of uh, discipline and um, uh, as far as we also involve you know giving tickets to kids who have e-cigarettes. Uh, we've confiscated. We had a, a situation recently where uh, kids were had found some and were selling them to other kids, so we had dealt with that accordingly as well. Okay, Anna. So, what about uh, you know your your friends, your peer group? I mean, is this common among the people that you hang out with? Vaping is definitely more common among my friends in college than in high school. When I was in high school, I did not see the one in five statistic, but it definitely is more common here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, do you think people's I mean, is there is there one reason for starting to vape, or is it just is it something that people, like you know, you said you'd never smoke a cigarette, but it was attractive to you to to start vaping for some reason. Right? I think it's more of a social trend, because um, I was never like looking for a nicotine alternative or anything, but I can pick up a vape and I can vape for like a week, and then I can set it down for a month and just completely forget about it. It's not an addicting substance to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is it about vaping that is attractive to to young people? We're talking about the statistic. Um, I'd say it's probably has the same effect that cigarettes had a long time ago. It just looked cool, so everybody wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have questions or comments, you want to join our conversation about vaping and e-cigarettes today, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-877. 285-9348. News at indianapublicmedia.org is a way to reach us online as well as following us on Twitter at Noon Edition. John, what about the, the nicotine delivery? Is there is there evidence that uh, e-cigarettes are addictive? Sure, sure. It's nicotine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That's okay. the whole that's the whole point. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean in in some people, you know, there's individual differences. So some people are, you know, more predisposed to addiction than other people. Um, so that you know, there's there's genetic things going on there, and all kinds of factors that might play into that. But yeah, we know without a doubt that nicotine is highly, highly addictive. So the the um, the the study in England uh, that Amy referenced that that e-cigarettes are 95 percent safer than than tobacco cigarettes. You concur with that? Have you seen similar studies? Well, I, I don't know those particular data, mm-hmm. but in general, yeah, the idea makes sense. I mean, you're not, when you're, when you're smoking a cigarette, you're lighting tobacco on fire and breathing that down into your lungs, and that's where a whole host of carcinogens are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the tobacco companies worked for a long, long, long time to make those the perfect ideal nicotine delivery system to get nicotine to your brain as fast as they possibly could. And and to do that, you had to burn tobacco and breathe it down deep into your lungs. And we know that's extremely 
harmful and has there's you know we know the whole host of negative health consequences all the cancers and the heart disease and so on and so on that go with that so yeah it's do these have a lot more nicotine than cigarettes Oh, that's a better question for Amy. For, yeah. It depends on what brand. And I think that, you know, a lot of people you know, are hesitant to call out the brand by its name. We all know why you use it, or in our opinion anyways. You know, there's a, there's a lot more reasons to, to it. So vaping has been around since 2012. And I didn't see these spikes in 2012, uh-huh. 13, 14. I didn't see any of these spikes in schools. Now, I saw more usage, more experimental usage in high schools, but I, I never have seen the numbers that we saw between 2017 or even 2016 till now. And I, and I will tell you, it's it's due to one product, it's a pod product, you know, made by Juul, sponsored by Altria. I mean, it's, I'm not going to throw any bones about it. I mean, this is an absolutely addictive product. I know one thing that he talked about earlier when he talked about getting deep down into your lungs and the cigarette, they, the cigarette companies have done a really good job at doing that. So is Juul. So I don't know if a lot of people know that, but the bioavailability salt mix that they use does get down into your lung tissue. And that's why we're having, that's why you get the high. I mean, I, when Matt was talking, the principal was talking about, well, I'm, you know, these are various different reasons. I don't know why. I don't know why kids Eight Tide Pods. I have no earthly idea, you know. I mean, there's a dozen other reasons of, of why we've got the problem that we have today in, in schools, but I think we're here, and I think that we need to work together on solving the issues and solving those problems. But, yes, there's a very clear difference in products that vapor shops sell, um, which is primarily a 3-milligram product, and you're talking a Juul Pod. One of those is 54.5 milligrams per milliliter. I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a difference. Yeah. You know. I remember when we first did some reporting on e-cigarettes. I mean, they looked like these larger contraptions that mm-hmm. was like a, a bigger cigarette. And, and right. Yeah. And they wanted them smaller and smaller just for the reasons that Matt was, was talking about. You know, once you put that on YouTube and say, oh, you know, we can conceal this in school and check this out. We can we can stealth vape. And, and you couldn't stealth vape with devices that you're it was referring big. to. Right. They're too big. They're, they blow too much uh, you know, quote unquote, smoke or vapor out. You can't do that, but but with jewels, with the smaller devices, you absolutely can get away with with doing that. And that's maybe why it caught on to schools. Like I said, behavior wise, there's a half million reasons why I could think of why kids even started or think about it, why it's cool to them. Um, but I think what's the win that we don't see is exactly what Anna put. You know, very very good into words. And she said that, you know, it's it's gross. It's disgusting. Cigarettes are disgusting. So, you know what? That is a public health net benefit to me that if these kids, these high schoolers and these college kids are thinking, I never want to smoke because that's just nasty. I think we're kind of ignoring that to win. The jewels by comparison, I mean, those are what? How how big are those? Do you think? They look like a they look like a computer flash drive. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you could fit a half dozen in your pocket or something. Absolutely, and and the straw man buys, you know, that Matt was referring to, that happens all the time. And you know, and I I don't know how he controls that. How does he control a kid, you know, that's eighteen years old, that's a senior, selling it out of his locker to all the sophomores and juniors? You know, that's. That's what we see a majority of it because when we look at the data, when I look at the FDA inspection data, at least for our members, and I look at the Indiana Alcohol Tobacco Commission data, we aren't getting those fines and we aren't getting those penalties selling to minors. So it's not us selling to minors. So where is that coming? That's another component that needs to be considered. Where where are they buying it from? Are they buying it from legitimate gas stations or 18-year-olds? Are they buying it from C-stores? Are they buying it from us? I don't know. And then, and then are they taking it back to the schools? I mean, it is a problem, and I'm, I'm willing to totally work with Matt on solutions because I get it. I, it's frustrating to us, too. We're gonna, we have a phone call, so let's get this phone call in before we have to take a break. So, Sarah, go ahead. Hi. This is Sarah, and I guess my main comment is, is no matter what society, throughout mankind's history, people have always sought for some sort of relief. Okay, and every society has things that were acceptable for release and things which are taboo. I mean, back traditionally in this country, cigarettes were okay, alcohol was okay. And there were people who could manage them, and there were people who got addicted or that it caused problems for. But the point is, is that people are always going to search for some kind of release, and it's not necessarily because they're psychologically maladjusted. Uh, life is painful. You work an eight-hour shift. You're kind of in pain. You need a release. People need a release. A certain, and it just is kind of ironic that we demonize tobacco. Now we're de- de- demonizing vaping. 
Meanwhile, we have a horrible pill problem in the Midwest, a horrible heroin problem. We also have a gross obesity epidemic. So maybe someone doesn't vape, but they, they get that, you know, they go and they eat a golden corral, you know, like a restaurant and get a release. And so, I don't know, I guess my comment is maybe we should, I'd rather have obesity. I would rather have cigarettes and alcohol than the, the other drug release that people are searching, such as pills and heroin, and also for people who consider themselves law-abiding and, you know, good citizens, there's more and more restrictions. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. And, you know, I think, honestly, that kind of makes uh, going down the rocky road uh, into more hardcore stuff kind of more attractive to children because once they cross that line, you know, a kid who smoked cigarettes in the 50s, oh, it's bad, but... You know, we ended up with a cigarette habit, which is a lot better than a heroin habit. And uh, when the law-abiding, good citizen class of people are, are have so many restrictions on them that they can't do this, can't do that, it gets to the point where people want to say, hey, I've got to have something and, and kind of give up. So, All right, Sarah. Thanks. So it sounds okay. like so Sarah's talking about matters of degree and, you know, uh, I think the original question is, aren't there bigger fish to fry, you know, opioids and things like that? So how would you react to that, John? Well, I would actually argue that cigarettes are the bigger fish to fry than opioids when you look at the, you know, just the burden of, of disease and, and death that um, are attributable to these products. Yes, the opioid epidemic is a terrible thing, and, and, you know, we're doing what we can to address it, but it's dwarfed by the deaths from cigarette smoking and tobacco use and alcohol use for that matter. So, you know, these are all important public health issues that we... Um, underinvest in figuring out the right ways to solve them for folks. All right, we're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU, and we're talking about e-cigarettes and vaping today. We'll be right back. From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV Building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, online at smithville.com. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire, the, the, uh, our, my co-host in the WFIU and WTIU Bureau Chief, News Bureau Chief. Today we're talking about e-cigarettes with four guests, John Macy, Assistant Professor of Public Health Administration in the IU School of Public Health, Anna Inger, an IU student and an e-cigarette user, Amy Netherton, Vice President of Domestic and International Sales and Marketing, and Regulatory Affairs Director of Flavor Revolution and President of the Indiana Smoke-Free Alliance, and Matt Stark, the principal at Brown County High School. Our numbers are 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area, news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can reach us there and also at Noon Edition. We got an email from Madeline Power. She submitted a question. She says, as a 20-year-old student from IU with a few friends in high school that vape, I truly believe it's because they don't realize how harmful nicotine is to their bodies. They think that it's 100% safe because there's no tobacco, but they won't educate themselves because they don't want to burst their little bubbles. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, Anna, just to get um, if that jives with your own experience. And then, you know, Matt, maybe you could chime in after that to talk about what sort of education perhaps you do at your school. Anna? I definitely agree with what she said. I don't think a lot of people do know that there are harmful effects to vaping. Um, as far as educating yourselves about it, I would say the internet is the best way to go about that. They're not going to teach you about that in health class or anything. Um, okay. 
Uh, Matt, how, how about you and what you all might be doing at Brown County? We did some reporting. Martinsville, the high school, I think it was the junior high in the high school there, maybe we're doing sort of a PSA for students. Have you all done yeah, anything? We, we did, yeah, we've done, some, uh, we've done some PSAs, and we've done some things for advisory periods as well as our health class. Now, when we have kids who have been um, caught with uh, uh, e-cigarettes at school, we also will put them through a program with our school corporation nurse that goes much more in-depth about the harmful effects of, of e-cigarettes and cigarettes and tobacco in general. Uh, and we've continued to update that as we get more and more information uh, to present to kids. So uh, we're, we're working on it, and we continue to develop that so it's an ongoing process. But I would agree um, with Anna is that I think there's a lot of uh, misconception out there about that there are harmful effects. I, I think the... We did a great job with cigarettes and how how awful effects and and I think this is still fairly new, so we're still working through those how to best present to kids. I'm curious, Matt, if you all talk to parents when you find a, a kid vaping. I I know I was so surprised, and I thought I would never know if my kid my kid's not old enough. But if he brought something like that home, I would have no idea that's something that's dangerous or bad for him. Yeah. I'm, uh, anytime we've had a kid who has had something at school, we obviously contact home. There's been a few things sent out to parents uh, throughout uh, last year and even this year to parents about vaping, uh, some just general information to kind of help educate them. But, uh, again, it's uh, really new. And I'd like to echo what one of the other panelists said is, you know, vaping originally was some pretty uh, heavy and clunky devices, and now that they're like a, a, a flash drive for your computer, it's really it's much harder to... Uh, discover, and I think that's what has also helped lead to the increase of things. All right, we're going to go to the phones. We have John on the phone. John? Yeah, a number of years ago, it was quite a big deal made of the fact that cigarettes were a nicotine delivery system. And uh, obviously, vaping is is a nicotine delivery system. And uh, it just didn't seem to be a big deal made of that fact. When it was for cigarettes, it's like, well, cigarettes are bad enough, but now we know they're a nicotine delivery system. That makes it even worse. John, do you have any, any reaction to that? Uh, yeah, they're both nicotine delivery systems. And, uh, you know, but the like I was trying to explain earlier, it's uh, with a cigarette, you have to burn the tobacco and breathe it down into your lungs. So, and we know of all the carcinogenic cancer-causing things in a cigarette. Um, with the with the e-cigarettes, you don't have that. Um, but again, just you know, going back to the point here, it was about you know adolescent use of this. Um, their brains are still developing, and so there are negative effects of nicotine on the adolescent and developing brain up until about age 25, we think. Um, and so that's cause for concern. And then in addition, we don't you know what we really don't want is for for uh, people to start with e-cigarettes and then move on to traditional combustible cigarettes. So just to try to clarify, so basically with cigarettes, you're talking about, you know, combustible cigarettes, so you're actually lighting something. There's smoke that's coming down with the nicotine, right? I mean, so you have smoke and you have nicotine and you have all these other, all these other uh, chemicals. With vaping, there are chemicals, but there's there's not the there's not there's not there's to, you're not burning you're not lighting tobacco on fire right and breathing that the that down into your lungs you're right. so with the with the e-cigarettes you're aerosolizing nicotine and breathing that down into your lungs and so you know there's probably negative health effects to, of that as well but you know again they're not well established we don't know but most people would agree that it's less harmful than smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, John. Thanks for your call. Okay. All right. Phone numbers again, 812-855-0811, 1-877-285-9348, news at indianapublicmedia.org, and at noon edition. Okay. I'm going to go to some really basic stuff. I'm going to ask uh, Anna and Amy just to talk about the, you know, the the market, the, 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 the business, I guess. Anna, you know, do you you go buy at vape shops around town? Is that? I usually go to gas stations. There's <laughs> one on every corner. It's just convenient. I can just walk across the street and grab some pods. And how much does it cost? It costs about twenty bucks. For how much? Four pods. Four pods. Yes. And how long does that last you? 
For me, that can last like a month or more than that. But my friend, that can last her about two days. Mm-hmm. She can go through them much quickly. Twenty uh-huh. dollars, two days. Yeah. yeah. That would, yeah, that could be, that's another issue, I guess. <laughs> so, so, Amy, you, you have a store, right? Yes. Do, and so how did you get involved in the business? And um, I got into business because I'm, a, I'm also a nationally registered um, critical care paramedic as well. So um, when I was doing paramedicine and working on the street, uh, I had a patient. I, it's kind of a funny story, but I had a patient, a massive COPD. You know, they, every Saturday I was out at his house. And one day I wasn't out at his house anymore. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, I wonder if he's passed away, but he didn't. He stopped using e-cigarettes and vaping. And so I ran on him maybe once or twice every six weeks to eight months, you know, whenever the weather changed versus every stinking weekend. So I thought, well, maybe there's something to this, right? So I was a smoker, and it was really hard to tell my patients, hey, don't smoke. I know you got COPD, and I smell like an ashtray, you know, in the back of the ambulance. That was I, I couldn't do it anymore. So, and I wanted to get you know healthier. I, I don't have the lung disposition. And 22 years of smoking really took a toll on my lungs. And so I wanted to change. I had tried the various uh, patches, gums, lozenges, and none of it worked for me. And it, it didn't work not because I wasn't getting nicotine. It didn't work because it wasn't meeting my behavioral needs. Right. So the mouth to hand to mouth and um, getting a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette on the way to work that was my thing every morning and so it wasn't meeting that but vaping did meet that need and met that uh, so i think again to, to say that you know it, it absolutely belongs in adults hands and not kids and and that's i think what's so shocking to me is that how can we try to fix this problem with youth uptake i mean you were just talking about the jewel i assume with the four pods you yes, know? yes and and i and i think for adults who are smokers the jewel is and I, I i guess i don't want to demonize jewel to the extent that nobody wants to use it it's just it is a very good product for adults because it does get it down into your lung tissue it does you know, do what it's supposed to do and mimics the most like a cigarette for an adult smoker. But the danger and the concern I have for Juul for kids is exactly the same concerns that, you know, John has as far as developing brains. But I also have the concern that, you know, why in the world are we starting out on a nicotine product that has got three times as much nicotine? And I mean, it just, I, no wonder your friend goes through them so much. I mean, you know, you get that hand to mouth thing going and next thing you know, you got a $20, you know, a $20 every two day habit. That's my concern. I'm like, wow. So I don't think we're moving the spectrum forward on that. I think we're actually going backwards. Mm-hmm. So if, if these are supposed to be for adults, then why are they marketed with these flavors like cotton candy and tutti frutti and everything? Well, and I think that's the issue that, that we're having, you know, with discussions with the FDA and with different state houses around the country. There are things that we can do. We can certainly implement marketing standards, label standards. I mean, here's a basic one, right? So you see the tutti fruit, you see the candies. So if you put a law into place and say, hey, you cannot sell a product that mimics a trademark of any candy or food, I mean, the it's simple to us. It's very, very simple. But we have to get the FDA to get behind that. We have to get, you know, everybody behind it. And we actually have to turn it into laws and turn it into, hey, you can't do this. The FDA, FDA says, yeah, we, we, don't just, we don't like it. Um, we're going to nail you for it. But without enforcement, I mean, it's, it's not doing any good. Those companies are not the ones that belong to our association. They're not the legitimate companies out there. They're few and far between. But you're right. They're the ones that get all the press, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. Our phone numbers again, if you want to join our conversation, 812-855-0811. 1-877-285-9348, news at indianapublicmedia.org and at Noon Edition. Um, John and and Amy, I think in particular, maybe the other, the other two know as well, but what kinds of, of uh, regulations are being discussed? What's, is there anything going through the legislature right now that would be uh, of interest to our the well the fda for example is is taking a you know really close look at this and you know uh, scott gottlieb who's the commissioner of fda is very concerned and taking aggressive action uh you know we've we've been we've talked a little bit about jewel um you know they're no longer shipping their flavored uh pods 
to vape shops. Um, and so the, the, that flavoring issue, uh, people are starting to address that. And um, we think, you know, there really just two factors that probably contribute a lot to um, kids or teenagers, you know, uptake of this, and that's the flavors and advertising. So there's two, you know, avenues that we can take right there is cut down on the flavors, the, the variety of flavors that are available that might be attracted to younger um, individuals, and then, you know, the advertising that, you know, we're kind of going back to where we were with, with cigarettes, perhaps, where the advertising is making it look cool. And, um, you know, that's not what we want. We don't want it to look cool and attractive to teenagers who otherwise wouldn't have, you know, perhaps started using the product. Mm-hmm. So, Anna, so you're maybe a teenager or a little bit older than a teenager. So, you know, what? when when you hear things like, like this, you know, we don't want to be marketing to teenagers, we don't want it to look cool. I mean, what, what's that make you feel like or what do you think about those kind of comments? I feel like if it's truly an epidemic and it's truly addicting, then just something as simple as a flavor won't turn uh, prospective buyers away. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so you think that um, the flavors are not, you know, uh, the flavors are something that that, uh, you're not that attached to. But what about the advertising for it and the sort of, okay, it looks cool, so let's do it. I think the size of it definitely has something to do with it. It's sleek. You could just pop it on a charger, whereas those bigger rigs where you vape out of, (laughs) I don't think that would be as much of a problem because nobody wants to carry that around. You can't just stick it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't sneak that into school so easily. I'm sure you haven't had an, had an issue with those, Matt. It's just when the jewels became popular. It sounds like. Yeah, I think yes, that's that's correct. I think the jewels really make it uh, much more convenient for kids to bring them in. Um, you know, we you're right, and I think that's where you see that uh, exponential rise here recently is because of. Um, just a change in the technology and, and how kids can do that. So it makes it just harder. So, Matt, from uh, your standpoint as a as an educator and as a principal, I mean, are these things that I, I would imagine all principals are going through similar issues, but do you have, you know, do you have, um, you know, meetings or coalitions to talk with other principals? And are there other, you know, ideas or strategies that, that um, are being tried around the state? I think there's a, a number of things that are being tried to to address it through um, both through curricular um, in health classes uh, as well as the PSAs that have been done. I think it's through the school nursing association that the, also the counselors association is talking about how do we address. I think one of the earlier callers talked about kids who are dealing with things and looking for an out and trying to help kids understand there's better outs to to go after. Uh, but uh, also within the within the principals and even teachers is just becoming more and more aware of what's out there and how kids are doing uh, sneaking things into school or 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 choosing to go that route um, and I think finally educating parents is a critical part because again while this has been around for a little while there's not a lot of experiences um, cigarettes and tobacco have been around a long time and so a lot of people have their you know a, a background to draw upon and this is still fairly new for people. I'm I'm curious, Amy, from your perspective, and Bob had asked this before, just of John, but about legislation and how how helpful you think any any of that might be towards regulating the industry. I think it'd be really helpful, actually. So um, I know at Indiana Smoke Free Alliance, we push a lot for that type of regulation. Now, whether it gets through this year, this session, and, and how it gets through, that's still kind of yet to be seen. But for example, um, we have a tax that's on the table with um, House Bill 1444 that just moved over to the Senate. And, um, you know, their solution was, hey, let's just tax the product. Maybe that'll make it go away or, hey, we can earn some income off of it, make it hurt a little bit. And actually, that tax doesn't do anything to the jewel product at all. It actually hurts vapor businesses more than it does the tobacco businesses. But with that being said, um, there are a lot of other solutions. Like one of the solutions is increase the penalty to retailers who are selling. So like right now, for example, um, if a retailer would sell to a minor, um, they get a slap on the hand with a $200 fine. 
that's about all that they get. They could incur a Class C fraction, infraction, but that usually doesn't happen. So it's only $200. I mean, why aren't we being more aggressive like Maryland? Maryland, a first-time offender, it's $1,000. The next time, it's $3,000. It hurts. I mean, it hurts the retailer. So, you know, having those age-gated, that's one thing that, that Scott Gottlieb did say in his recent January announcement. He was very happy to know that vapor shops, we have a better age-gating. It's not so much that he sees um, selling to minors and minor access through us as much as he sees other outlets. And so, you know, I would like to see increase to penalties to retailers who actually sell to minors that, you know, and it's not just a slap on the wrist and you're not just going to take it, no, you know, I'll just write that off. It's not a big deal. Because in Indiana, we have four times and actually six times before you're actually served with an order. And the maximum penalty is only $1,000. Hmm. So, I mean, to a retailer, $1,000 is nothing. You know, they're just going to keep offending. They don't care. And that's I'd like to see that increase. And I'd also like to see increased penalties on minors, to be honest. I would like to see working with school systems instead of just doing slaps on the wrist and saying, okay. And I'm not saying that they're not trying, but, you know, I want to see a more aggressive stance. Like in Parkland, Illinois, when a child is caught in possession of a jewel over there, it's a $500 fine. It's some serious stuff, and it's expulsion. It's a zero-tolerance policies, you know, throughout the nation. I would like to see Indiana schools and Indiana get more aggressive about those policies. So, And I'm more than willing to work with anybody in discussing those policy options or real-life real options in schools, like what Matt's dealing with, for sure. I mean, it's difficult. The education part is one of it, but let's make it sting. Make it let me let me get Matt in on this conversation. Yeah. I mean, do you think that you know stiffer stiffer penalties for students that you catch, uh, zero tolerance, making it sting, are those things that you would support, or are there unintended consequences to those? I think I think first off, I, I think uh, when you talk about financial penalties, the the group that incurs that are parents. Um, you know, most of the kids that uh, most students don't have the access to fines like that. So ultimately, and, and maybe if that's your, if that's what somebody wants to do, that would that would I guess be one way to look at it. But I think looking at it from an educational standpoint and looking at it, how do we how do we curb that? How do we get to more of a root cause of what's going on? Is this just a kid who was trying it to be cool with his friends, or is is the student dealing with some other issues that we need to also address? Um, I think it's really important to kind of look at it from a restorative standpoint to say, what do we do? Just penalizing and expelling. I mean, the unintended, anytime you expel or, or do something of that um, severe nature, what happens is, you know, then you can, you know, kind of train record and, uh, a student for a long period of time at such a young age. And so those are not things that necessarily that I would want to see happen. I'm curious in Indiana, Amy, are regulations about e-cigarettes just tied in to the same regulations as traditional smoke? Yeah. Unfortunately. So they're all just looped together. They can be. I mean, we do have separate laws, like we have e-liquid manufacturing law versus tobacco manufacturing law, you know, so in the tax on the table. So um, I was telling John right before the show, I said, so amazingly, uh, we don't in Indiana apparently want to tax traditional combustible tobacco at $2 a pack, but we do want to do that to e-liquids, which is... Again, pretty known that it's it's a on the risk continuum line a little bit safer. So uh, that that definitely shocks me that the the house wants to say, oh no no, we're we're totally fine with ditching the cigarette tax, but we want to tax e-liquids. So that just happened this week, and I'm not too thrilled about it. And um, I did have a question for Matt though. Um, Matt is since the expulsion doesn't work and, and the fines don't work, because I agree, because I think Parkland. It is an example, but you're right. The parents end up paying for it at the end of the day. Would you consider um, your second tier? Because your second tier goes straight at, like, um, you know, because right now your your tobacco policy is if they get caught, then you have, um, like, three hours of suspension, I think, then they get a, a ticket, if that's correct, if I read your manual right. Correct. Yep. Right. Um, would you be willing to go up to that second tier where they, they get, like, three days out of school suspension? Do you think that is effective? And then with, like, severe – with more counseling, I guess it's just – your your policy right now reads almost like your truancy policy, which would you consider making that stronger than your, your truancy policy and then making it more towards the middle road where your alcohol policy is? So we, we I, I would say that we take we take a look at um, how we address uh, 
the individual case. Gotcha. And one of the things that I found to be most effective is as we're talking with parents, as we talk with our school corporation nurse, as we look at what's going on with the kid. And while, yes, we want to address the the misbehavior or the the symptom of e-cigarettes, we also have to go deeper and find out what else is going on and get a more complete picture uh, of what's happening with the kid. Because certainly, you know, we have kids uh, dealing in vapes to other kids. But, you know, that's going to obviously going to take more of a stringent penalty than a kid who had a pod fall out of their bag or whatever the case would be. So sure. we try and do it much more individualized on that. John, I'm curious about, so nicotine patches, nicotine replacement gum, that stuff's been around a long time, but how is the nicotine in that, or is it any different than the nicotine that you're getting through these e-cigarettes? It's nicotine delivered in a different way. You know, it's nicotine that they make in the lab that they, that just is delivered in a different way. So you don't, with a patch, you, you know, you put it on your arm and it just gets soaked in through your skin and into your blood, into your brain that way, whereas with the these products, you're you know, inhaling vaporized nicotine into your lungs and get it to your brain that way. So that that's the part that would make them more dangerous than the patch, or no? I assume it's probably a different dose or different yeah, they're do- they're they're, they're dosed differently. You can even get different dosages of patches. So you know, and with a patch, you know, you kind of need to know what you're doing to you know to dose it correctly and use them correctly and all the, that you know that kind of thing i suppose that the um you could argue that the the jewel pods and e-cigarettes are kind of in some ways easier to use because you just you know you don't have to you don't have to really know all that much you just get it and go mm-hmm. so john again just to be just to sort of taking a, a, a more general way and you you've hit on a lot of these topics but thinking from your perspective a public health Perspective. I mean, are we in an epidemic? Is this? I mean, should we be using a term like like epidemic, which we use for opioids, you know, or is it just, you know, a sort of on the continuum of health issues? You know, where should where should we be putting this? I think just given the the, the dramatic rise in adolescent teen use of the product, it's really cause for concern. Um, and, and something to keep an eye on and, and, you know, something where public health professionals and from a policy perspective, it's time to intervene and figure some solutions out. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of success in addressing uh, cigarette smoking and, and, you know, and, you, and then the, the rates of cigarette use among adolescents is at an all-time low. And so there's no reason to believe we can't get back there with, with, with these products as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that um, just, you know, back on the earlier discussion, um, it, you know, we don't need to be putting more on schools and principals and students to, to deal with things. Uh, I think there's other solutions to it. Uh, one place is the point of sale where, um, you know, the the products are displayed in the convenience store. And, and you know, we deal with this with cigarettes as well. Um, that they have a prominent location in a in a convenience store at a gas station, and kids go in there all the time and see those products displayed that way, and and now it's the same thing with Juul and other you know e-cigarette products. So we can do point of sale strategies to get those out of the eye of um, teenagers and even younger kids, uh, so they're not exposed to the you know to the attractiveness of those products. Okay, we have a phone call. We're going to get to. Lori is on the phone. Lori, go ahead. Nope, Lori's not on the phone, but she did have a question about secondhand. Is there anything with secondhand vapor? I mean, secondhand smoke is a big deal, right? So, no? Or yes? No, there's not. There was a 2014 data study done by the um, National Academies of Science and Medicine, and they actually measured in a vapor shop, and they actually measured the levels of um, what we call volatile organic compounds um, or what we get from secondhand vapor or smoke. And um, truthfully, there was a a news uh, piece the other night on Fox 59 about your toaster and candles, and and truthfully, those things spit out more VOCs than e-cigarettes do in comparison. So, I, I mean, I would say that the jury's still out a little bit on that, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go in. How close quarters are you in where these things are being used? Um, those kinds of things. Again, you know, the, we started this whole conversation by saying these products haven't been around all that long in the grand scheme of things. We're still learning. Uh, we, you know, we need to know more about the long-term health effects of both, you know, use of these products and 
um, secondhand use, you know, secondhand exposure to the products. Um, so I think, you know, we need to know more about that. So right now, I mean, you can buy these products if you're 18 years old, right? And you can buy cigarettes if you're 18 years old. And you can buy alcohol if you're 21 years old. So these are all things, you know, we've talked about brain development. Brain develops so you're 25 years old. You know, we, we, we all know that. So, you know, yeah, all these things are, are issues, but it seems like you're, there, there's going to be some level where it's available. So this idea of education and understanding risk and risk versus reward and all these seems to be where we're headed with this. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's things we can do, point of sale, you know, you know dealing with advertising, um, better educational campaigns. This is a tricky one um, because of the, the I, you know, the messaging that from a harm reduction standpoint, if you're an adult cigarette smoker, yeah, it's probably better to use an e-cigarette, um, to use an, an, an electronic nicotine delivery system rather than smoking a cigarette. But when you're talking about adolescents, teenagers, somebody, and you know even young adults, not the case. And so it's you know it's 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 a complicated um, message that we got to do a better job from you know from a public health perspective on getting out. Okay, we are out of time unless somebody has one last comment. We got we got time for maybe ten fifteen seconds of last comment. Matt, anything else you want to add? I, I just appreciate that we're having a public forum of discussion. I think that helps. Uh, give uh, information out there for everybody to okay. get better at. All right. Thank you very much to Matt Stark, principal at Brown County, uh, John Macy from IU, Anna uh, Enger, who's an IU student, and Amy Netherton, who's with um, the Flavor Revolution and president of the Indiana Smoke-Free Alliance. For producer Patrick McGurr, Benta Boutier, engineer Mike Pashkash, and co-host Sarah Whitmire, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.